My name is Andrew, one of the pastors here, and we are studying the Ten Commandments. And so this morning, I'm excited to look at the Fifth Commandment. Commandment number five, I'm going to ask that you stand as I read our text for this morning. It's Exodus chapter 20, verse 12. Exodus chapter 20, verse 12. God speaking through Moses to his people. God says, Honor your father and your mother that your days may be long in the land that the Lord your God is giving you. You may have a seat. Family. Fathers and mothers, sons and daughters. The words alone conjure up mixed emotions, don't they? Family for you could be, could be a place of warmth, of safety, of acceptance, of grace, as you think about this command to honor father and mother, it comes relatively easy because you had parents who loved you and, and, and modeled grace to you. Or the command to honor fathers and mothers may, may seem impossible. Fathers and mothers, what are they? They weren't even existent. Maybe they were physically absent. Maybe they were spiritually, emotionally, mentally absent. For some people, family conjures up this, this, this feeling of neglect, of abandonment, of extreme disappointment, maybe even abuse. Our sermon today is all about family. And as we talk about family, I want to be very careful not to stroke the ego of the good family experiences and further wound the bad and broken family experiences. Rather, what I want to do is I, I want to consider the big picture of family within God's word. And as we do, I hope it brings humility to those who have had good family experiences. I hope that it brings healing to those who have had bad family experiences. And ultimately, I hope it brings you unique unity to the family of God. Amen? The church, the family of God. And so this morning, we're going to consider the big picture of family. We're going to look at a biblical vision of family, the broken reality of family, Jesus, how he redefines and rebuilds family. And then we're going to ask the question, so at the end, and just talk about some practical applications. What does it look like for us to honor father and mother here and now in 2020, thousands of years after this command was given to a people at the foot of Mount Sinai in a completely different culture completely different set of ideals. Does this command still apply? And if so, how? And so this morning, let's get started. We're going to look at, actually, I'm going to pray before we get started here. Let me just pause and pray again. Heavenly Father, even as we call upon you as Father, for some that comes with wounds, for some that comes with baggage, some people have a hard time seeing you as Father because of their own experiences with fathers. For others, it's relatively easy. But Lord, it is a privilege for us to call on you as Father. Lord, this command to honor Father and Mother is good. It's for our flourishing. And so I pray that you would teach us this morning, Lord Jesus, as we look at the biblical big vision of family, as we consider the broken reality of family, as we talk about Jesus redefining and rebuilding the family, and then looking at how we can apply it to us today. Guide us, Lord Jesus, for your glory, for our good, and the advancement of your gospel, we pray. Amen. All right, well, the biblical vision of family. Here's, here's a statement that I'm going to break down. 
The biblical vision of family, family is the foundation of society and the primary place where God's love and blessings are experienced as his hierarchy is honored. It's a big statement, and it's culturally contentious. And I brought my kids and made them sit in the second pew so that they just understand hierarchy this morning. No, I'm just kidding. They just really, hola. <laughs> Love it. They just really wanted to come to church this morning, which I'm glad about. They, they had in their mind that they would go play with their friends in a different room while I preach, but there's no other friends here. So they're stuck sitting here listening. But this, this statement, family is the foundation of society in the primary place where God's love and blessings are experienced as his hierarchy is honored. We're going to break this down. Before you tune this sermon out, if you're online or if you're here, if you think that just sounds so culturally insensitive, I I know it does. Stick with me. We're going to look at the broken reality of family, and we're going to talk about how God's grace meets us in our brokenness. But before we do, I want us to understand the biblical vision of family. Because the Fifth commandment comes to us in Exodus chapter 20, verse 12. Honor father and mother, that your days may be long in the land that the Lord your God is giving you. But, but it's already into the biblical story. So it's not enough for us as Christians wanting to apply God's commands to start there. Well, just honor father and mother. Especially as we live in a society where father and mother comes with so much baggage and it's so confused. And so what we need to do, if we want to learn to understand this command and apply it in a biblically healthy, a God-honoring, in a human-flourishing type of way, we need to start by understanding the biblical vision of family. And here's, here's what it is. As I, as I consider the, all, the whole of Scripture and boil it down, family is the foundation of society and the primary place where God's love and blessings are experienced as his hierarchy is honored. Let's start with family. Historically and biblically defined, family is a unit of people stemming from a father and a mother, a man and a woman in marriage. Now, there, there's, there's, we're going to see towards the end of the sermon that Jesus actually expands the family definition from that. But if we consider culturally what's happening right now, there's a lot of effort to try and redefine family to try and define family as extended family or as what, it, it could be two dads, it could be two moms, it could be a couple uncles, a couple aunts, it could be a couple neighbors, it could be a couple friends. Family is what you choose to make it, right? That's kind of the cultural movement. And, and I'm, not, I'm not totally throwing stones at all of that. We're going to talk a little bit about what it means to redefine family towards the end. But first of all, what I want to remind us is that biblically speaking, the biblical vision of family, the foundation of family, the core of family is a man and a woman in marriage having a baby, right? First comes love, then comes the marriage, then comes the baby in the baby carriage. This is, this is the biblical vision of family. That's where it starts. So the modern attempt to redefine family, it's just not in line with the scriptural basic definition of family or the historic definition of family. Historically speaking, family has always been a unit of people living together with a mom and a dad. Now, I'm not saying that to try and judge the modern effort to redefine family. Again, we're going to talk about that. And before we judge what society is doing, I think we ought to try and understand what society is doing. If you grew up in a broken home, if you, if you grew up with hypocritical parents that were judging the broken society around them, saying, well, God's way is one man, one woman in marriage for life, and yet those parents were contentious with each other? Those parents didn't demonstrate love for each other or for you? 
Or maybe you experienced parents who, who committed adultery or abuse. Of course you would question the traditional definition of family. And so as Christians, we need to listen to people. We need to learn. And before we pass judgment, we need to try and understand. But we'll, we'll move into that later on. But first of all, just family. Historically, biblically speaking, it's a man and a woman in marriage procreating, having babies. Now, I say it's the foundation of society because the Bible teaches that God created Adam and Eve, put them together in marriage, gave them the ability to procreate and the directive to have dominion over the earth or to rule over the earth. That's what I mean by foundation of society. Number one, without a man and a woman, you can't procreate. Now, modern science has given us about 40 different ways that babies can be made, but it still relies on male sperm and female egg. There's, there's some efforts to try and take skin cells from males and females and see if we can reproduce the, the reproductive necessities to actually have babies, but still it requires a man and a woman, a male and a female to procreate. There's just no way to do it without that. And there's, again, there's 40 different ways about, approximately, that you can bring male DNA and female DNA together to procreate, but you still can't do it without a man and a woman. And so that's what I mean by foundation of society. This is how God ordained a life to be passed on. Procreation takes a man and a woman. And he gave them directive the directive to have dominion over the earth or to rule over the earth. Marriage is the first and primary institution in the world. And so we have governments that, that rule, right? We have businesses that help to create society and build society and to, in a way, rule over society. But before there was government, before there was business, before there was commerce, there was marriage. Man and woman procreating, God saying, have dominion over the earth, develop, care for, Adam and Eve working in tandem to have dominion over God's creation. God created all things. He created Adam and Eve, and he said, now this is yours. Cultivate it. Have dominion over it. In tandem, man and woman together, rule, build, establish, create, Society. So that's what I mean by it's the foundation of society. But as we know, contributing to procreation doesn't build a family in which love is experienced, right? I mean, if, if biology tells us now there's 40 different ways to have a baby, that doesn't necessarily mean that that baby is born into a family with a father and a mother to be honored. It doesn't necessarily mean that that baby is born into a good family, a loving family, where they are experiencing the blessings and the love of God within that family unit. Just because we have the ability to procreate does not mean that people are automatically born into and placed into a functioning family that will help them to flourish. And so I want to be clear here. As I say, family is the foundation of society. We talked about family. We talked about the foundation of society. And now the second, the third piece, it's the primary place where God's love and blessings are experienced. It, it, it is supposed to be. Remember, this is the biblical vision. So the, the broken reality is that it's not the place right now where love is experienced. 
But this is the biblical vision, God's desire, God's creation of family, of Adam and Eve blessing them with children was that their family was to be a place where they would experience the blessings and the love of God. Again, just the ability to procreate doesn't mean that that procreation, that that son or a daughter that was born is born into a place where love and blessings are experienced. And there's stats that would show this. And it, there's just far too many, and stats can be interpreted to kind of skew things your own way. Um, so I didn't put down stats, but there's so, I mean, just do some studies. Sociology will show us time and time again. And then, so sociological studies will show you that time and time again, that the, the best chance for a child to grow up being a productive member of society is to grow up in a family with a mom and a dad under the same roof, loving one another, committed to one another. Empirical evidence will tell you that. Talk to a teacher in the public school system. Most of them will say, I, I, I generally see a difference between the kids that grow up with a family unit that's committed to one another and those, those that are coming from broken families, from, from single-parent families, from families where I know that the parents are, are on edge. Just last week, two weeks ago, my kids went back to school part-time in person last week. Praise the Lord. They've been doing virtual school since March. And they're in Spanish immersion school. And I don't know Spanish. Thankfully, my wife does. And so we're trying to figure this out. And, and just two weeks ago, after school one day, I was asking my wife, Brittany, how it went. And she's like, eh, it was fine. There's this one kid on the Zoom call that was just causing a big disturbance, and the teacher had to keep, keep, keep calling them out, and it was just a big distraction and kind of wrecked the whole day. That evening, I kid you not, in God's providence, just to, I don't know why, probably help us grow in compassion, Brittany was frustrated with this kid and the interaction that it took over the entire day. That evening, we were at our local playground. We were talking with one of our, one of our neighbors, and we mentioned that the whole school day was disraveled, by this, and the person said, oh yeah, his parents just got divorced. Empirical evidence, and this isn't always true. Some people grow up in single parent families, broken homes, and, and they adjust extremely well, and some people grow up in a nuclear family with a mom and a dad, and they don't adjust so well. But sociology and empirical evidence would all say, generally speaking, the best environment for a child to grow up in is in a home with a mom and a dad who love one another, who are committed to one another, and care for their kids. This is what I mean by it's the primary place where God's love and blessing are experienced. This is the biblical vision. God's heart is that there wouldn't be orphans. God's heart is that there wouldn't be abandonment. God's heart is that there wouldn't be abuse. God's vision for family is a safe, accepting, loving, warm place where kids grow up experiencing God's love through the love of their parents and God's blessing through the blessing, through the provision, through the care of their parents. But notice the last part of this phrase here. As his hierarchy is honored, another swear word in our culture, hierarchy? You're telling me that there's a hierarchical system within the home, within the church, within society? We've got to do away with that. But this is the biblical vision. To honor, remember the command is, you shall, um, where is it? Honor your father and mother, that 
the days may be long in the land that the Lord your God has given you. That's even that blessing piece. It's saying, if you do this, honor father and mother, the days will be long. There's this blessing attached. There's this flourishing that comes as a result of honoring God's ways of love. And so, honor this, and generally speaking, your life will be long. There will be blessings that flow. And, and the command here, honor, the word honor, it means to give weight to or to acknowledge. So the command here is for kids to honor and give weight to the office or the job or the role that their parents have. Parents, is it hard to be a parent? Sometimes. Yeah, most times. Thanks, Judah. <laughs> That's my son. Sometimes it's hard to be a parent. He knows. He sees how it's hard on me. Is it hard to be a kid? Yep, hard to be a kid as well. It, 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 and so he, here's the reality. This command is calling children, whatever age that is, this applies to anybody who still has living parents, honor your father and mother. In fact, the, the biblical vision goes until, until that parent dies. And so those of you who are older yourselves and you're taking care of even older parents, praise God, good job. That's honoring father and mother because the the biblical vision in the biblical context and culture there wasn't social security there wasn't retirement plans your retirement plan was your children and praying that they would apply the fifth commandment and honor you in your old age and take care of you in your old age but so back to the point here's what this command is saying honor your father and mother acknowledge the weight the role the heaviness of the office that they have. They have a hard job. And so even if you're here today and you don't have kids, or if you're here today and you grew up in a mixed bag of of understanding why your parents did what they did, the, the call here is for God's people to understand the task that their parents had, whether or not their parents have lived up to that task in any, any real honorable way, it's beside the point. It doesn't say honor your father and mother if your father and mother are honorable. It says honor your father and mother. It means to understand their role, understand their weight, understand their authority in life over their children. His holy hierarchy, God's hierarchy the reality of life is that there is hierarchy. It's a swear word in our culture. We want to be autonomous. We want to be our own bosses. We don't want people telling us what to do, how to do it, when to do it. But the reality of life, regardless of the institution, is that life works best with leadership, with a chain of command, with some order, with some hierarchy, if you will. Let's look at God's holy hierarchy for a minute and just consider this. This is God's holy hierarchy. Like it or not, you're at the bottom. So think about your own life. This is the biblical vision of how your life would work. Yahweh, God, his name is Yahweh. I am that I am. He is the ultimate authority, the creator of heaven and earth. You guys need to back up a little bit. He is the creator of heaven and earth, the ultimate authority. And before I even move on to this next point, consider that within the Godhead itself, within the Trinity, there is hierarchy. God the Father, Jesus the Son, the Holy Spirit, Jesus himself continually submits himself to the will of the Father. We're going to see that towards the end of the sermon. But there is hierarchy within the Godhead. 
one God, three persons. However that works, we don't know. It's a mystery to us, but a lot of it is to model for us relationship and what humble submission looks like. Jesus himself, God in flesh, submitting to God the Father, modeling for us God's holy hierarchy. Now, from there, so you, God is your ultimate authority. In, in the chain of hierarchy, he is the head. And then he has called second place in your life to be father and mother or extended family. If your father and mother passed away, if you don't know your father and mother, if something happened to your father and mother, the biblical vision would be that if father and mother are taken out of the picture, extended family would then take you in and raise you, and they would become your spiritual authorities. They would become your parents. They would be next in line on God's hierarchy. So God instructs parents. They instruct you. From there, spiritual leaders. In the Old Testament, it was prophets and priests. In the New Testament, it's pastors and elders. From there, government officials. In the Old Testament, when Israel was established as a nation, it was the king and all the king's men and all the king's horses, not the king's horses, the king and, and his government officials. When they were in exile, remember Israel, God's own people, there were periods of time, 70 years particularly, where they were in exile in Babylon. When they were in exile in Babylon, they were still called to submit to the government officials of this pagan nation. Now, and then from there, I'll talk about this in a second, and then from there, other authority figures. So that could be a teacher, that could be a coach, that could be a boss, whatever it is. This is God's holy hierarchy. And then there's you. And then there's you. So the American culture is going to tell you that you can be a self-defined, self-made man or woman that, that nobody should be able to tell you what to do. But God's biblical vision is that there is a holy hierarchy. God, father, mother, or family, spiritual leaders, pastors, elders, government officials, other authorities, teachers, pastors, uh, t- teachers, coaches, bosses, whatever that may be. And then there's you. Now, if any of, any of these in this hierarchy structure outside of God, right underneath God, if they tell you to disobey God, that's when you then break the chain of hierarchy and you disobey them. And there's, I'm not going to go through different biblical examples of that, but there is biblical example that if father, mother, spiritual leaders, government officials, or other authority figures in your life tell you or command you to disobey Yahweh, they have then misappropriated their authority and you no longer need to obey them if it's a direct command to disobey God directly. Too often we put this into personal opinions, right? Like, well, my mom and dad told me to do this and I don't think God wants me to do that. Did God command this as a sin or not sin? No, his command is for you to honor your parents. Well, my pastor or elders said this and I don't like it, so therefore I don't have to listen. My governor or my president or my mayor, whatever, said this and I, I think they're off. I think their science is wrong. I don't like it. I'm going to do whatever I want. My teacher, my coach, my boss told me to do this, and you come up with some spiritual, biblical reasons why you don't have to listen. And the reality is, Scripture, in Scripture, in the examples in Scripture, there's a lot of leeway for people to lead poorly, and God's people still submit to them. 
It's at times of like when Nebuchadnezzar called Daniel, Radshak, Meshach, and Abednego to bow down and worship a false god. That's when they said, we will not do it. And they humbly, without a fight, Daniel thrown into the lion's den, Dan, uh, Radshak, Meshach, and Abednego thrown into the fire. Not raising their fists, saying, oh, king of Babylon, curse you, I'm not going to do what you say, saying, I, I can't do what you're asking me to do because my allegiance is to Yahweh. Oh, that means I'm thrown into the pit? Throw me into the pit. Because part of honoring father and mother, that, that actually flows from honoring Yahweh. And so, church, I just want us to be really careful not to be too quick to overthrow God's holy hierarchy because we think we know better. And then at the same time, wonder why there's a whole generation of people in our country who, who don't want to honor God's principles. Maybe it's because they see people saying, the government, my boss, my parents. So just be careful. Now, this is the biblical vision. Keep that in mind. This is life's ideal. But as we know, and as we feel so deeply, something has gone terribly wrong right? Something has gone terribly wrong, and this is why the command to honor father and mother is so loaded. And from this command stems all these other hierarchical submission laws and plans and vision in God's word. But something has gone wrong. That's why it's so loaded. That's why there's so much angst about honoring people above you. That's why there's so much angst about authority because something has gone terribly wrong. Let's consider the brokenness of the family in our society. So the broken reality of family. Because our first parents, Adam and Eve, traded God's hierarchy for human autonomy, many of our authority structures are corrupt which is part of the reason honor is so rare and families are so broken. Keep this in mind. Before you shake your fist at a world that just doesn't get it, they just don't honor the fifth commandment. They just don't honor father and mother. What a dumb society. They're, they're, they're all going astray because they don't do what God tells us to do. Let's pause before we have anger, and sometimes it's righteous anger, righteous indignation, but let's pause, let's try and understand, let's keep in mind the, the biblical story. So the biblical vision is this family, it's the foundation of society, it's a good place to experience God's blessing and love, and where hierarchy is honored, father and mother are honored until death, and, and, and by the way, parents, you're commanded to love your kids and not to exasperate your kids, not to use your authority over them as a taskmaster, but to use your authority over them humbly to help raise them up. And so that's the biblical vision, but the broken reality is, is just that that's not family, right? Why is it? Why is that the case? Because Adam and Eve, when tempted by the serpent, which, by the way, he's the first authority rebel, Satan is an Elohim, a spiritual being, a lesser than God, created by Yahweh God as part of the celestial ruling of the world. And the serpent, Lucifer, decided that he wanted autonomy. He wanted to buck the system. He wanted to go against Yahweh's hierarchy, Yahweh's authority. And he convinced a group of the angels to come with him. They're cast out of heaven. And now this serpent comes to tempt the pinnacle of God's creation, mankind, Adam and Eve. 
to tempt them to overthrow God's authority, to overthrow God's hierarchy, to trade God's hierarchy for their own autonomy. Did God really say don't eat from that tree? You surely you won't die. If you eat from that tree, you will become like God, knowing good and evil. You will be able to rule yourself. You will become a God. Eat from that tree. Don't submit to Yahweh. You can have all the knowledge. And so they traded God's hierarchy for their own chance for autonomy. And ever since then, our authority structures have been filled with corruption. Okay, so when you see a society that doesn't honor father and mother, before you just get mad at that society, remember the brokenness of the world that you live in. Remember the great temptation that the serpent brought to Adam and Eve, how they gave into it, and we are all products of theirs. We all procreated from the same parents. We are sinners by nature and by choice. And so before we wag our finger at people who don't honor father and mother, keep in mind this brokenness that we live in. And part of this brokenness is understandable. Part of the reason that honor is so rare in our culture and families are so broken is because so many people grew up observing broken families, broken structures, broken authorities. Right? And when people grow up observing broken authority structures, there's a couple options. It's to either perpetuate that, more is caught than taught. So we can teach the fifth commandment, honor father and mother, honor father and mother, honor father and mother. But if it's not modeled, it's not very likely to take. Because the reality of life is that more is caught than taught. Your kids, your bosses, your friends, your family, your neighbors, they observe more of what you do than they heed what you say. And so if you grow up in a broken family system or a broken work system or a broken society where, where, where what God intended to be holy hierarchy is abused and corrupt, you're going to either perpetuate that, you're going to then grow up and model what you saw and abuse authority, or you're going to rebel against authority. I don't want anything to do with that. Authority is evil. Structure, hierarchical structures of government, of church, of family are evil. I want nothing to do with that. You're going you're gonna to perpetuate it and, and, and carry it on to the next generation. You're going to disregard it and buck it, buck the system, say it's wrong. Or you're, you're just going to continue to live in it. And so this is the reality that we live in. This is our broken reality, church. So many of us, so many of us, and at so many different nuanced turns have grown up observing broken hierarchical structures, broken authority. And so our natural inclination, our natural inclination, not the supernatural Submission, but our natural inclination is to fight against authority. And, and I think as we look around at society, we see this even as we look around in the church. So many people leave the church because they see hypocrisy in the church. Many 
many people who, younger people who have left the church is because they have moms and dads who are like, honor your parents, honor your parents, and their parents aren't honoring the Lord. Or their parents are exasperating the kids. So many people who grew up in a, in a single-parent family or a broken family, they don't have any examples. If more is caught than taught, what have they caught? There's not much to catch there about what it looks like to honor father and mother. And so this is the reality that we live in. The biblical vision is to honor father and mother. The broken reality is that it, that is so rare and so unlikely. And it just seems old and ancient. So let's insert Jesus now. We're New Testament Christians, and there is some continuity between the old and the new, but let's look at Jesus. Jesus redefines and rebuilds the family. Jesus upholds the biblical vision of family by honoring God's hierarchy while building a new family in our broken reality. Here's what I want you to catch this morning. Jesus doesn't come and do away with the biblical vision of family. He doesn't come and say, because you live in a broken reality, therefore forget honoring father and mother. Let's tear down the nuclear family structure. Let's, not even nuclear family structure. You hear the word nuclear and you fill in your own blanks of what that looks like. The biblical family structure. Jesus doesn't come and say, let's throw away the biblical vision of the family structure. That's sometimes what people do when they, when they, when they experience a broken reality, right? Well, let's do away with that. The, f- the foundation was bad. No, the foundation isn't bad. What God established and created pre-sin, it was great. Who doesn't long for a family with a father and a mother who would love them, who would teach them, who would be gracious with them, who would not exasperate them, who would help them grow up? Who doesn't long for that? Every single person I've met and talked to longs so deeply for a loving, accepting, warm family. And so Jesus doesn't come and throw it away because it's broken. He actually upholds the biblical vision. This is often what Jesus does. He's upholding the biblical vision that the Old Testament gave. Matthew 5, 17 tells us that he came not to abolish the law, but to fulfill it. And so he comes to reestablish it, to fulfill it, to say this is what it looks like to honor father and mother. Jesus himself honored father and mother. And he taught and he upheld God's hierarchy from the Old Testament. And in the midst of this, he built this new family in our broken reality. He didn't rebuild it with a new nuclear family. He rebuilt it with a church family. So there's hope for anyone. You grew up in a nuclear family? Praise God for that. You grew up in a, in a healthy, God-honoring, loving, accepting nuclear family? Praise God even more for that. If you grew up, grew up in a broken home, a non-nuclear family, praise God that Jesus came to build a new family not structured around not structured around just father and mother but there's hope for all. And so Mark 7, I'm not going to go to these passages this morning. You can write them down and go and look at these on your own. I'm just going to kind of give you the big idea. Mark 7 verses 1 through 13, Jesus is interacting with the Pharisees, the religious leaders of the day. And they're testing him. They they're mad at him because his disciples weren't following their ceremonial tr- traditional washing of hands before their meal. It wasn't that they were eating with dirty hands. The Pharisees had this incredibly laborious tradition 
to come to God clean before they could eat their meal. And Jesus and the disciples weren't honoring it. And so they're calling Jesus and the disciples out. And Jesus, here's what Jesus says to the Pharisees. You go to great lengths to honor the traditions of men, to do your ritual ceremonial hand washing before you eat. But you put your traditions before honoring God. And he says, you don't honor your father and mother. And the Pharisees say, well, well, we don't honor our father and mother because we give our proceeds to God. We give our proceeds to the synagogue, to the temple. In this context here in Mark chapter 7, it's about money. And they're saying, well, we don't care for our elderly parents financially because we give our money to our church. And Jesus says, your lips are far from me. I commanded you, honor father and mother. So they actually ought to get your best Stop giving your money to God. And, and it's not, he's not saying don't give your money to your church, don't tithe. He's saying don't neglect the commandment to honor father and mother and spiritualize what you're doing for God. You may actually be breaking the fifth commandment if you're neglecting father and mother, but you're giving tons of money to missions. And so, so Jesus comes and, and he's upholding this biblical vision, honor father and mother, the fifth commandment. Honor father and mother. Sure, give money as I, as I have called you to, to missions, to your church, to your synagogue, to your temple. But if you're doing that at the extent of not honoring father and mother, Jesus is saying you're missing something. You're honoring the traditions of men more than the commandments of God, and your heart is far from me. So Jesus here is, is upholding this biblical vision. But in the midst of that, he also redefines family. Matthew chapter 12, verse 48 through 50 Jesus is in a house teaching, and his, his physical family, his blood family, is outside the house. And one of his disciples comes to say, Jesus, your, 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 your mother and your brothers and your sisters, they want you. And Jesus says, who is my mother, and who are my brothers and my sisters? Except for those who do the will of God. A little bit offensive if you're Mary, right? Mary's like, no, I birthed you. I'm your mom. Jesus isn't throwing away his, 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 his flesh and blood, his immediate family, but he is redefining family, saying anyone who does the will of God is considered a son or a daughter of God and a brother or sister of mine. And so regardless of what kind of family environment you grew up in, know that Jesus has come into this broken reality, redefines family, and says anyone who would do the will of God, anyone who would follow me, anyone who would partner with my people, you have a family. Jesus is your eldest brother. God is your heavenly father. The spirit is your ever-present empowerer. You are not alone. You have been bought with a price. You have been put in a family. You no longer need to live in the world's broken system. You're going to live in it, but you no longer need to be defined by it. You have a family. Welcome to the family of God. Anyone who does the will of God the Father is my family. And so our primary way in the New Testament, in our new reality, to combat, combat society's broken reality of family isn't to try and enforce the biblical understanding of marriage. It's to try and draw people into the family of God. And then Matthew 26, 39, Jesus, in the Garden of Gethsemane, before he's about to be crucified, 
in agony, in pain, starting to feel the weight and the burden of sin upon him, knowing what a Roman crucifixion looks like and the pain physically that he'll have to endure and the spiritual toil that he will experience taking the sin of the world upon himself and having his father forsake him. Jesus says to God, if there be any other way, let this cup pass from me. If there be any other way, let this cup pass from me. May I not have to shed my blood and break my body on their behalf for their sin. If there's any other way, God, yet not my will be done but yours. Jesus upholds the good biblical vision of hierarchy. God, your will be done. I'm not going to fight for my own autonomy, my own individual authority. I'm not going to follow my fleshly impulses to, 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 to get away from pain and suffering. Not my will be done, but your will be done, Jesus. God, and so Jesus goes to the cross. Amen? So regardless of how you grew up, if you grew up in a God-honoring biblical family, praise God for it. That was a gift of God's grace and love and intervention somewhere in your family tree to help rebuild and reestablish his good gift of family. If you grew up in a broken family, I'm so sorry for the hurt and pain and confusion that has caused you, but don't, don't allow it to to, to, um, to cause you to throw off God's system, but, but come to Jesus' family. Surrender yourself to him. Do the will of God and be counted as one of God's sons or daughters with many brothers and sisters. Lastly, some takeaways this morning. So what? My father-in-law passed away last March. He was a pastor. And at the end of every sermon, he would say, so what? I don't do that just because that's not how I preach, but I'm doing it today to honor my father-in-law's memory. So what? What does this mean for us? What? Okay, I get it. The, bi the biblical vision for family, the broken reality of family, Jesus reinstituting, redefining, rebuilding the family. Great. That's all good and spiritually encouraging, I hope. That's actually what I want to major on here is to trying to stir your affections for Jesus and not give you a bunch of how-tos. But I do want to leave you with two simple takeaways this morning. Two, so what? What does it look like for me to apply the fifth commandment here and now today in 2020? Whether or not your parents are, are elderly and aged, whether or not you're my child listening to me preach, whether, wherever you are on the spectrum, whether, whether or not you, you knew your parents, start to apply honoring authorities and elders. Let's start. Number one, work to apply the command to honor father and mother in your own life first and foremost. This is how the church leads out in society. We don't lead out in society by stating our opinions or our convictions on social media. We don't lead out by running our mouth about the brokenness of society. And, and sometimes it's good to point it out, to look at stats, to look at figures, to talk about it in detail. But ultimately, we lead out by seeking and working to apply this command to honor father and mother in our own lives. So again, those of you who are caring for elderly parents, honoring your elderly parents, thank you for leading out, for modeling this. Those of you who are struggling 
to honor father and mother because there's some wounds there, some baggage there. Keep working at it. You're doing more than you realize to align yourself with the kingdom of God and his ethic and his ways, and other people are watching. Don't spend the majority of your time pointing fingers and trying to enforce this on society. Start at home, honoring your parents and authorities, and then at work. If you are a parent, work at being an honorable parent. Your kids aren't commanded to honor you based off of your honorability, but it sure is easier to honor somebody who's honorable. So if you're a parent, work to be an honorable parent. Work to be a gracious parent. Work to be a loving parent. As Ephesians 6 tells us, it says, children honor your parents. Fathers do not exasperate your kids. If you're, if you're a boss, Work to lead your people in an honorable way. If you're an employee, work to follow your boss or your employer by showing them honor. And then secondly, lastly, remember who Jesus is and what Jesus does. And that's always where we end our sermons at Park Community Church, right? Because the law reveals, but grace heals. The law of the fifth commandment, the biblical vision of family, it reveals our brokenness. But God's grace given to you in the person of Jesus Christ meets you in your brokenness. Jesus honored God the Father, not my will be done, but your will be done. And whoever would come with me and do the will of God is welcomed into this family. And so this morning, we're just going to respond by taking communion and singing a song that reminds us of the gospel. There's a communion packet in front of you. I'm going to invite you, whenever you feel led and ready during this next song, to just take communion, remembering who Jesus is and what he did. Remember the agony that his body felt as he anticipated the shedding of his blood for the forgiveness of your sins. Remember the feeling that he had. If there's any other way Yet not my will be done, your will be done, Heavenly Father. I'm submitting to you. I'm honoring you, my Father. And so take communion, remembering how Jesus fulfilled the fifth commandment. He honored Father. And then he invites you into the same kind of life. Let me pray. Jesus, we love you. We thank you that you were able to fulfill the fifth commandment in the same type of broken society as ours. And now you've empowered us through your spirit to do the same. But yet we wrestle with our flesh. And so none of us are able or capable of fulfilling this fifth command. So we thank you for fulfilling it in our place on our behalf. As we take communion, I pray that we would worship you and praise you for what you've done. And I pray that we would be more and more filled by you to apply and do the things that you did. In your name we pray. Amen.